Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hello, I'm Andy. I'm one of the pastors here at Salt and uh, great to be here with you. Uh, together this afternoon, going through, working through this passage, Psalm 46. Keep that open if, uh, if you've got a Bible with you. Uh, and a big welcome to you if you don't normally find yourself at church. We love having you here with us. Hope you didn't get lost on the way. Uh, lot, being lost is one of the things we hate being lost. I remember as a kid, I don't know, does anyone have that experience where you're in the shops and you get separated from your parents or something and you just freak out? Has anyone had that kind of... I, I think I, I remember one, it must have only been like 20 seconds, but it was like... This is my home now. Um, and um, I just, it was awful. Uh, I had an experience, I was on the other end as a parent, we were a few years ago uh, at a, staying at a caravan park on holidays. And uh, we'd been there for a couple of, a couple of days. And um, we we're about to head out for the morning and uh, getting all things ready to get in the car and, and go. And um, we couldn't find our four-year-old. And I was like, oh, my wife, I thought you had him. And she thought I had him. And... He wasn't there, he wasn't in the caravan, and we uh, checked the jumping pillow, wasn't there, and thought maybe he'd wandered down to the games room, and wasn't there, and we was kind of get like, a little bit worried and trying to find out where he was, and there was trucks up there, and maybe, I don't know, we are just trying to think of all the different places, not, and trying not to, you know, not to freak out a little bit and, and feel overwhelmed, but, um, and uh, eventually I was getting something out of the car, and I saw he was in the back seat of the car, just waiting patiently for like 20 minutes, waiting for us to get in the car to head off. And we're like, oh, it was awful. It was, it was truly awful. Um, but we hate those feelings of, of being abandoned. It's one thing, though, to be lost at the shops uh, or to, uh, to wander away from your parents. But it's a whole other thing to feel like you've been lost from God or you've wandered away from Him. Or, or worse, He's abandoned you, uh, forgotten by God. And so what do you do in those moments? What do you do when you feel that, when you feel far away from God? What, what do you do in those moments? Well, this psalm, Psalm 46, helps us. It tells us three things that we can do, three things that we don't have to fear. And uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into them. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us, that we can know you. And we pray that as we read this psalm, that you would be speaking to us, that you'd help us uh, by your spirit. Uh, to love you more, and to trust you more. Amen. Well, three of the reasons we don't need to fear, there's three reasons. The first reason we don't need to fear is because God is our strength and our refuge. God's our strength and refuge. Have a look at verse 1, uh, Psalm 46. Verse 1 says it there, straight there, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. So this psalm is, is written to remind Israel and us not to fear because God is present. God's there. I'm not, if you're not sure what a psalm is, a psalm is a song. There's 150 psalms in the Bible. They were given to God's people uh, for, for different reasons. In the Old Testament, to remind and to encourage God's people and to comfort and to rebuke. Uh, there were psalms of, there's psalms of praise. There's psalms of uh, questioning God, uh, crying out to God. Uh, psalms of saying sorry to God, psalms of exalting the great things that God has done. Lots of different psalms, written by a bunch of different people. Uh, this psalm, 46, it tells at the top, it's written by the sons of Korah. Sons of Korah, they're one of the pr- family, the priests uh, that were in the temple. 
Um, we don't know much about this particular psalm. We don't know much about when it was written or the context for it. Uh, we don't know if Israel was in trouble when this psalm was written uh, or what was going on. Um, but it's quite likely, I think, safe to assume that they were uh, feeling threatened at the time. Uh, for most of Israel's history, they were only a small, only a small nation. And they were surrounded by superpowers, uh, super, like, much larger nations. They had the Assyrians and the Babylonians, the Egyptians. Uh, so the threat of being attacked was always there, was always present for them. And this psalm reminds Israel they don't need to be afraid. They don't need to be afraid of attack because God's with them. It's verse 1, it tells us God is our refuge and strength. He is their ever-present help in trouble. So they don't need to worry because although they might not look like a strong nation, they have an incredible strength. Uh, they have a strength that comes not from within, but from God. And he's not just there some of the time either. God doesn't fall asleep at his posts. Uh, he's always there. He's ever-present. Uh, another word we use for God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He's everywhere all the time. There's nothing he doesn't see. There's nothing he isn't aware of. He's always there, which means God is everywhere, which is a comfort for Israel. They don't need to fear because God is there. They have a consistent, ongoing, unlimited source of strength in their God who's always going to protect them. And it's not just something that God says. He actually he backs it up with action as well. Uh, many times God defeats Israel's enemies and we're told that God is the one that gives Israel the victory. Uh, Judges chapter 11 verse 21 says this, Then the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon, uh, Sihon and his whole army into Israel's hands and they defeated them. Israel took over all the lands of the Amorites who lived in that country. So the Lord is the one who did it. He's the one who gave the army over. Uh, or Joshua chapter 10 and we're told the five kings, these five different empires allied together to fight against Israel. In verse 8, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, even though there's five of them that have allied together. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Even though they were outnumbered, God says, Don't be, wait, don't be afraid, I've given them over to you. Uh, or Judges 20. Chapter 20, the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel and on that day the Israelites struck down 25,100 Benjamites, all armed with swords. Then the Benjamites saw that they were beaten. So again, Israel, God defeats Israel's enemies. He's the one who does it. And time and time again, Israel's enemies are defeated. Uh, we're told that God is the one who gives them the victory. Their victory comes from God. God is their strength. God's their protector. They don't need to be afraid. They don't need to be afraid of other armies. They don't need to even be afraid of natural disasters. Have a look at verse 2. It says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, even if there's a, a giant earthquake and the mountains collapse into the ocean, Israel doesn't need to fear. Um, that's incredible. We don't get many earthquakes in Australia. We're on a giant tectonic plate, so it's pretty safe. Uh, but I've got family in, in California, and over there, they do get earthquakes, and it, it's, a bit, it, it's, it's scary. And the schools have procedures, they, they practice what to do with an earthquake, because otherwise you kind of just fear, and, and you just freeze. Um, but even in a catastrophic earthquake, Israel doesn't need to worry. Even an earthquake that's so large, imagine an earthquake that's so big that Mount Kira 
falls into the ocean. That's a giant, that's going to take a big earthquake, even that kind of earthquake. Israel doesn't need to worry because God is with them. God's their security. God defeats their enemies. And he tells us he's with them and he's with us as well. God defeats our enemies. We don't have physical enemies. Uh, Through Christ, God has defeated our spiritual enemies. God has defeated sin and death. And we looked at this last week. Uh, The sting of death has been defeated. Uh, Death has been conquered. We don't have to worry about death anymore. It's been defeated. We, we, Jesus rose from the dead. One day we too will rise. The power of sin is gone. Jesus' death and resurrection pays for sin. The power of sin is gone. And Satan has been defeated as well at the cross. Sin, death, Satan, all defeated by Jesus. Jesus died and rose again victorious over our enemies. They've been conquered. We don't need to fear anymore. And because of that, because of his death and resurrection, Christ becomes our refuge as well. Colossians chapter 3 in the New Testament, chapter 3, verses 3 to 4, says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So if you're a Christian, this is talking about you. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Christ becomes your refuge. He's the, our safe place. Our, our life is hidden with him. Our life is protected by him until the new creation. And more than that, Jesus promises to send his followers a helper. Uh, God's spirit is given to anyone who trusts Jesus. Uh, God's Holy Spirit dwells within us. And he's described as our advocate and our helper and our comforter. Now, the Holy Spirit is our ever-present helper sent by Jesus to help us. He's always there. So God is our refuge. God is our strength. He's our, our helper in times of trouble, which means we don't need to fear. Israel didn't need to fear. We don't need to fear because just like with Israel, God's got it. God's got it. He's looking after us. We don't need to fear. In fact, we need to stop trying to find refuge and security and safety in other things. Uh, Have a look at verse 10. That's what God tells us in verse 10. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. It's not like uh, be still as in just sit under a tree and just think quiet thoughts and and be, be silent. Uh, it's got a bit more force to it. I think it's be still. It's a bit more like the way Jesus talked to the storm when the rocky, on the rocky boat, massive storm. And he tells the storm, be still. And the storm is still. It's that kind of, cut it out, that kind of language. Um, I read the, this passage with my kids this morning. The kids Bible says, calm down and learn that I'm God. That's how the, uh, the kids Bible translates it, <laughs> which I kind of like that. Uh, here is another, another English translation. Uh, it says this, stop your fighting and know that I am God. Stop fighting, Israel. Know that I am God. You don't need to go look for other places for refuge and strength. You don't need to find the strength in yourself. God is your strength and refuge. Stop fighting. Still, be, just stop. Israel, well, they were tempted to put their trust in other things. They were fighting in their own strength, not God's strength. 
So they, they put their trust in city walls and defenses and large armies and making alliances with whoever was the biggest. But God's saying, no, don't go rushing around doing that. Stop trying to find refuge in other things. I'm your God. I'm your strength. Be still. That's what exalts God. That's what brings God honor and glory. They're told to give him the honor and glory, not to put those things, not to put their trust in other things. And I think we face the same challenge. Uh, God is our refuge, and yet we're tempted to put our trust in other things as well. We're tempted to find refuge and safety, look for other things for our safety, for comfort. It's not going to be armies, but it might be, look, here's a few things. It could be money. Um, it could be money. The, the idea, just a bit, if I had a bit more money, then my life, I'd feel safe, I'd feel secure. That would be, my life would be, that's, that, some, for some of us, money. That's the thing we're looking for. Uh, for other of us, others of us, it's control. Uh, we, we feel like we need to, to control everything. But we're told to stop. I think, stop trying to control everything. We try and do all the things that kind of give us a sense of control. Get on top of things. Get on top of the, the chaos. Get your life in order. Then, they'll have a, that'll be my, then my life will be better. And I think we, we can create our own refuge instead of turning to God in the chaos. Admit that you can't do it all and turn to God. Instead, we have this illusion that if we only get things lined up and get things on top, we look for refuge in other things. Maybe it's escape. Uh, Netflix, or whatever the streaming thing you've got at the moment is, uh, or Instagram, or, or going on a holiday, or, or just escaping from everything, and, or just going into your phone for half an hour. Rather than face the things that are troubling us, we try and escape. Uh, we don't face those things because we don't want to feel overwhelmed, which is understandable. But... It's those moments of feeling overwhelmed that often bring us to God. And if you, if you refuse to ever feel that feeling, then you sometimes think you're okay. You, you, you just handle it yourself and look to other things for your refuge. I don't think it works. Well, lastly, here's another one, I reckon. Work, work, workaholism. Looking for work, for your comfort, for your safety, for your security. Being a workaholic. Uh, being a workaholic is not just not working long hours necessarily. Uh, you can work short hours and still be a workaholic, but it's, it's feeling like you need to work. Um, workaholism is using work to fulfill your emotional needs. Uh, and that can become security, your safety, your refuge. You, you dig into that. So we need to, I think the, the encouragement is to be still, to stop looking for those other things. God is our refuge. He's our strength, not those other things. We need to put our trust into Jesus. That's what's best for us. And that's, what we've got. that's what's going to see God exalted among the nations. So don't fear. Our refuge and our strength comes from God. We don't need to find those things in other places. We already have it. The second reason we don't need to fear is because God is with His people. God is with his people. Verse 4, have a look, tells us, verse 4. Uh, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. 
Uh, throughout the Bible, God provides for his people. And um, being in the desert, water is a big deal. And so one of the, one of the images of God's provision is water, and w- which later becomes the idea of living water and flowing water and, and God providing water. And in this verse, uh, God's, we're talking about God's provision. And it's more than just a little bit of water he's providing. He's providing a whole, a whole river. And the river's flowing into God's city. It's flowing into Jerusalem, uh, which is where the temple is the holy place where the Most High dwells. And so I think the provision here that it's referring to, it's a bit of a poetic illusion, but I think it's referring to the fact that God's provided for His people more than just a physical provision. God's provided Himself for His people. He's with His people. And God's temple is there. God's temple was described as God's house. That was His dwelling place. And the temple was this giant structure this giant structure in the middle of Jerusalem that everyone could see and every, you could point to it. That was, that was where God was. It's very clear. God is amongst us. There he is right in that building. He's not distant. And God chose Israel as his people. And he made a really big deal out of the fact that he'd chosen them and that he was going to be with them in the temple and so they could go to meet with him. And so they don't need to fear because they say, look at the temple. God's here. He's with us. He's providing for us. And you can see the difference that God's presence is going to make for Israel in the next verse. Verse 5, 5 and 6, it says this, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So there's no question in the language here, no disclaimers. It's, It's very clear. God is with his people, and that means she won't fall. Israel's not going to fall. Other nations may come and go, but God's people are secure because God is with them. And not to say the difficult times aren't going to happen. Hard things do come. Israel have plenty of those. But God's faithful to his people and his God's people endured. And through Jesus, we become part of that story. We are now part of God's people. And God is there with us. We don't have the temple Church, our church building is not a temple, but it's seen in Jesus. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, uh, it says this. Uh, the Word became flesh. Let's talk about Jesus. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word, God's Word became flesh the man Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling is that kind of temple language. Uh, it's Jesus, really, I think, saying that Jesus is the new temple. So we don't look to the temple to see God living with us. We look to Jesus. Jesus is God with us. That's, even his, that's his, name. What's his name, what his name means, God with us. And not just while he was here on earth, for the 33 years while he was doing his thing on earth, Uh, But before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his followers, Surely I am with you to the very ends of the age. So therefore we don't need to fear because Jesus is with us. He's still with us. God is with us in Christ. He is our ever-present strength and refuge. We're told in Romans 8, Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. So nothing can separate you from God's love if you're in Christ. If you're here today, though, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, uh, these promises can be for you. You can become one of God's people. You can start following Jesus today 
Uh, he can become your refuge and can become your strength. And we'd love to help you do that. Love to help you start following Jesus. I'd love to have a chat to you about, about that afterwards. Uh, but for those of us who have already done that, already following Jesus, who are Christian, the reminder is God is with you. Nothing, nothing can change that fact. But here's the thing. We might know that is true, right? We know that in our heads. Jesus, yep, God is with us. We have Jesus. But what do we do when we, we feel like God has left us? What do we do when the things we know don't match with how we feel? Because it happens. It happens. That, that disconnect happens all the time. How should we respond? Well, I think it's helpful to think about faith like a train. So imagine a train. Uh, you've got a, a train with three uh, engine, two carriages, and the engine at the front is the facts. The, that's the facts. They're the things that we know. The things we know about Jesus, about the God that he's, he's revealed himself from the Bible, the God of the Bible, uh, that God is with us, uh, the gospel, Jesus died, rose again in our place, all the things Jesus taught and said and did, and the external facts as well. We looked at them on Sunday last week, and you can find them, look them up uh, to hear Jeff talk about that last week. They're external evidence for the, for the resurrection of Jesus, all those different historical, all these things, all the facts of the gospel, the things that we know to be true. They're pulling the train along. That's the, the engine. And behind that comes our faith. So our faith is in response to the facts. So hearing the facts, you put your faith and your trust and you, you believe what you know about Jesus and you decide to follow him and that's your faith. And your faith follows along behind being pulled along by the facts. And then comes the third thing is our feelings. Because our faith in the facts because of that, we feel joy and we feel hope and we feel excited and glad and thankful and we feel uh, sorrow at our sin, but thankful that Jesus has paid for it. And all these, all these kind of things follow on from our faith in the facts. So that, that's how it goes. Facts, faith, feelings. But you run into problems, though, when, it goes, when the train starts trying to reverse. That's where you run into problems, I reckon. And I've seen this with Christian friends, running into problems this. Um, because our feelings don't always follow our faith. Our feelings go up and down, right? Feelings are all over the place at different times. Uh, things might be hard. You might be going through a hard time. And so your feelings are, are different. Uh, or you feel far away from God. And yet your feelings don't quite match. Uh, you might be seriously ill or a friend is, is sick, really sick. And your feelings are up and down, or you just feel spiritually dry. Um, Those things can make us feel like we're far from God, or that He's forgotten us, or maybe even doubt that we're saved at all. But you can't let the train run backwards. Don't let your faith start being pulled along by your feelings. Just because your feelings tell you one thing, that doesn't suddenly make that your faith based on that, and that suddenly the facts are changing based on how you're feeling. That doesn't that's not how it works. So in those moments, you end up forgetting about the facts altogether. So what you need to do, don't ignore, don't ignore your feelings though. Uh, your feelings, are, they're real, they're genuine. Uh, but don't let your feelings dictate what you believe. In those moments, remember the facts. Remember what is true. Remember the things you've heard and the things that we talked about. That God loves you. God loves you. We're told that lots of times. That Jesus died for you. 
that God is with you, that God is for you. They're the things that we know. So look at those things and respond to that. Put your trust in those things. Your feelings are going to go up and down, but keep following what we know to be true, the gospel. And be still. Know that it's okay to have those emotions. It's okay. But they don't change what's true. Um, I had a first-hand experience of this. Uh, two, two and a half years ago, uh, my wife was pregnant with twins um, and went for an ultrasound up the road and was rushed to hospital in Sydney because she was going into labour and she was 20, 23 weeks late. Uh, week. 23, 23 weeks gestation uh, and um, yeah, they were born a couple of days later at 24 weeks old and so we spent three months the, the twins spent three months in the ICU um, there's Gwen two months old um, with Karis um, and uh, that was a they were three months there and then another couple of weeks up in Wollongong Hospital um, and that was a serious rid- ridiculously hard time in our life um, yeah, it was hard. And it was really hard to trust God in the face of that uncertainty. Lots of uncertainties. When you've got twins in the ICU, uh, we, were one, we knew we were only one phone call away from getting some seriously bad news, which happened a number of times. Um, they, they both almost died a couple of times. And for some reason, the hospital has private numbers. And so whenever the private number rings, you're like, and it still happens like, oh! I'm like, oh, I don't have anyone in the hospital. It's okay. Um, but like PTSD. Um, and, and yeah, just knowing that your babies can go from stable to critical really quickly and, and suddenly you've got 20 nurses and doctors frantically trying to keep them alive. And that was, that was a hard time. That was for a couple of months. And uh, our emotions, to be honest, were all over the place. They were. They were all over the place. You, you've got doubts and fears and constant worry and then something's good and you're elation and joy and then crashes down again. It's all... Uh, I kind of described it as being on a roller coaster blindfolded. Like, you know, there's up and downs ahead, and you don't know when they're coming or what they're going to be, but you know, they're, whoa. Uh, and it was, yeah, overwhelming. And uh, we didn't try and suppress those emotions. We both saw psychologists afterwards to try and help us deal with that trauma, and that's been helpful. But in the midst of that, we had to remind ourselves, and, and you guys, our beautiful church, helped us remember this as well to keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Remember the facts. Remember who Jesus is, the things he said and did. That's what we have our, that's what our faith is in. That's what we trust in. And our feelings, they were real and genuine, but we just had to keep remembering the gospel. Put our faith in the gospel. Trust Jesus every day. Not just a one-off, but every day. Recommit our lives to Jesus. Um, I said this before, but I just kept rereading, reading and rereading the book of Galatians in the New Testament. Just just a constant reminder of the gospel. I found that really helpful. And so if you're struggling at the moment, you feel like God's left you, you feel far from him, I think the thing we need to do is remember the facts. Remember that Jesus died and rose again for you. Remember the love that God has for you. The tangible ways that he's demonstrated that love. It's not a theoretical love, it's a real, genuine love. And remember the victory that Jesus had on the cross. Remember those things. And that's what we're following. And that brings us to the third thing. We don't have to fear because God has the victory. Uh, have a look at verse 8. 
says this, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am a God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So God isn't just Israel's refuge and strength. He's more than just with his people. He's powerful and he's victorious. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. That's power. He decides which army's going to win, which army's going to lose. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear. He's the ruler of the world. And it makes sense. He created the whole world and so it makes sense that he'd have control over what his world looks like and the things that he's made. He's all-powerful. And what does he use his power for? He uses his power to protect and to look after his people, to look after those that he loves. And the invitation in verse 8, to look, come and see the works of the Lord. Look at what God has done. It's glorious. Don't be afraid. Look at the proof. Look at what God does with his power. Look at the facts of what God has done. And so for Israel in the Old Testament, there were lots of points that they could look back to to be reminded of God's provision and God's victory. And for us, we look back to the cross. That's the, the best place where we get to see God's ultimate victory, right? Uh, some of my favorite verses, we read it, Sean read it for, for us before. Actually, let's flip, uh, yeah, let's all go to it. Uh, flip to 1 John chapter 1. It's one of the last books of the Bible before Revelation so John wrote the Gospel of John, the biblical account of Jesus' life. He also wrote three letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Um, so he, yeah, he was the disciple of Jesus. He called himself the one Jesus loved, just to rub it in the other's faces. Um, he's also the disciple who ran off naked when Jesus was arrested as well, so he's got that going for him. Um, and uh, yeah, he wrote, he saw the things that Jesus said, uh, did, J- Jesus did, he heard all the things that Jesus said. He was with Jesus throughout Jesus' whole ministry. Uh, and we get this, this is what he says about Jesus. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. John is very clear on why he's written this down. He wants his readers to know what he knows. Uh, He wants us to know the truth about Jesus. He wants us to know the things that John saw that changed John's life and the things that Jesus said that John heard. He's passing on to us. He wants us to know the eternal life that Jesus brings and the fellowship that can be found in him. Look to Jesus, John's saying. All the things, all the things we've heard and seen and touched, look to Jesus. Jesus has the victory. So if you need a reminder that God is with us. If you're feeling far from God, look to Jesus. Look to what he's done. Uh, when Gwen and Eli, when they were in hospital for the, those four months, uh, they still needed breast milk. And so Karis was, um, uh, she was expressing milk and they were fed via a tube. 
Uh, but Keris would, yeah, every four hours she's uh, expressing milk that was then frozen and then uh, we'd take it up to the hospital. Uh, and sometimes they're in Sydney and Keris is in Wollongong and 80 k's away in the middle of the night trying to express uh, at four in the morning and, and very removed from the twins who are in, a, in the ICU in a little capsule thing. And the emotional connection is often hard to keep, to, to sustain that. And um, the biology of, of breastfeeding and things, it's, sometimes it doesn't happen. The milk doesn't flow when you don't have that emotional connection. Um, and one of the advice, bit of the advice was to, in those moments, late at night or whatever it is, and you feel disconnected, to look at a photo, look at photos or videos. And so she had a bunch of photos that she'd look, um, look at to be re- to remind. Uh, or little, we had little, little cloth things that were in the... Um, with the babies and so you could smell them they had the scent and that would kind of remind her and help uh, help her body and uh, the milk then came more freely and I think that was just a yeah really really beautiful example of um, the way God works and I think it's often the same way for us we're feeling spiritually dry we're feeling disconnected from him and we need to remember the things that God has done we look to Jesus we remind ourselves of the truth Remind ourselves of the, the amazing things that God has done for us. And that helps us. That stirs our affections and stirs our hearts. Not all the time, but often it works. Because we don't always feel it. We don't always feel it. When you're a Christian, our feelings go up and down, and that's normal. But we want our faith to follow the facts. And so in the face of uncertainty, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Remember that he's our strength and he's our refuge. Uh, that's, individually we do that, but we do that as a church as well, together as a church. Now we're about to enter this phase of uncertainty as a church. We're about to start this building campaign Sean was talking about before. Without growing this space, this, the council's knocking this down uh, sometime. And so we need to find a new building and there's uncertainty. That's, as a church, it's stressful. It's a worry. Where are we going to be? We, we don't actually know where we're going to be. Um, there's options, but we don't yet know. Uh, are we going to find somewhere? Will it be a good size, big enough? Is it going to be, I don't know, cold <laughs> uh, or, or hot? Uh, or are we going to be able to afford it? All these kind of uncertainties. Uh, and as a church, I think in the face of that, we need to keep trusting Jesus as a church, that he's provided, he's providing for us. Keep turning to him in prayer, reminding each other of God's faithfulness and his power together as a church. And as we keep following Jesus individually as well. So you might be going through a hard time at the moment. You might have gone through a hard time. There might be a hard time coming up that you're not aware of. Um, We've covered lots of things, but keep trusting Jesus. Uh, There's lots of things I haven't been able to say. Um, Just wanted to recommend this booklet on our website, uh, Loving God When It Hurts. Uh, This is a resource that our church has put out. Um, you can get it on our website, it's free there, saltchurch.info slash care. You can download the PDF. Um, it's written by um, some of our staff team and a few um, professional volunteers on our church as well, some psychologists and other things. Um, it's really helpful, theological framework of what to do when life is hard. Uh, some really practical advice from psychologists and some really helpful resources as well. Um, so if, you, if you're going through a hard time, that might be a helpful resource that you, or someone else that you know. Uh, you could check out. Because let's be honest, life is hard. We can feel far away from God. But what does Psalm 46 tell us? We don't need to fear. We don't need to fear because God is our strength and refuge, ever-present help in times of trouble. 
that he is with us, that we have Christ with us, that we have God's Spirit dwelling in us, always helping us, looking after us. And thirdly, through Christ, God has the victory. We don't need to worry. We don't need to, we don't need to fear. Sin has been defeated. Death has been conquered. Satan has been, de- been destroyed. God has the victory. So what do we do? We, we trust him, even when it's hard. I'm going to pray that we would. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the encouragement of your word. And we thank you for the reminder of the things that we have in Christ. We pray that in times of hardship, that we would be looking to you and trusting to you, trusting you, not looking for refuge in other places. We pray that we'd come to you. Lord, you are our strength and our refuge. We pray that we'd be trusting you and remembering the things that you have done for us in Christ. Amen.